Hello, this is once again Luciano Joshua Gonzalez of the Benito Juarez Experience. In this episode, we are going to have a discussion that involves speculation and what sounds like conspiracy theory in relating to events that occur in Latin America when it comes to the Catholic Church and the governments of Central America. We are going to talk about the coup briefly. We are going to talk about Catholic leadership involved in the coup and the spiritualization of the government in its essence. If you enjoy this content, we hope that you share it, and we hope that you get other people engaged in a conversation about events that affect secular Latin Americans in and out of the United States. I hope you have a great day, and remember to share this podcast if you like it. Another thing that I want to mention is that we talked, in, we talked in our previous episode about the religious left. And I've, I've written more than a few articles about the Johnson Amendment. Some of them are very small. I'm only going to be, I'll, I'll be putting the link to my main article in the description to this so that way people can read more about my opinion on this. But the idea that it's only Republicans who are going to get funding from this is not true. We talked in the previous episode about the religious left. There are some pastors who would undoubtedly donate and financially support the Democrats and progressives. And it's important that we not perpetuate a kind of stereotype about the state of churches. There are plenty of Christian progressive organizations, and not just Christian progressive organizations, because this doesn't just affect churches. This affects any place of worship which is considered a tax-exempt area. If the Johnson Amendment is lifted, it wouldn't just be churches that are donating money and that are giving financial support to politicians. There would undoubtedly be at least a couple of synagogues and mosques and other religious areas and nonprofits that would decide to get in on this action for lack of a nicer way to word it. And I think that that's something that conservatives should think about. Because if conservatives want to stay, if conservatives want to maintain their majority, which they undoubtedly do, understandably so, given the state of polarization in this country, then they should be thinking about how Democrats and the Christian left and progressives are going to react to all the things they do. If I were a politician and this got repealed, there is a part of me that would want to take advantage of it, and I think that's fair. I, I think that we're not thinking about this because there aren't that many resources that talk about evangelical factions that support progressive people in terms of politics and that give them space aside from what we've talked about with the Christian left. And it's because they aren't very well known. I don't know of a whole lot of statistics that talk about religious members who are also progressive and Democrats, so we don't have any real numbers. We don't know how this could affect them, but if I were them and this happened, I would want to support. I would want to do it partially to lash out at, at conservatives who got rid of this and show them that they aren't the only people throwing money at their politicians, but also because it's an important way to balance, the, to level the playing field, so to speak. 
So this is one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this show with you. Uh, mostly because I partially agree with you, but I don't totally agree with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I do agree with you in the sense that you know, it's not just a religious right, which is active, that there's certainly a, a smaller uh, politically active religious left. But I do think in ter- money-wise and in terms of how this would play out if it ever happened, uh, the differential in terms of money and power would not yeah. even be comparable uh, between what a very organized religious right and and also the type of, of pastors that, uh, you know, particularly evangelical pastors that kind of push for this are actually kind of like mega church, uh, you know, big, uh, you know, expensive kind of stuff, pastors. Uh, a lot of the people involved in the religious left, uh, uh, particularly in African American and, and Latin evangelical churches uh, are not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, swimming in in God's money. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of activism in terms of in terms of time that people provide, but not necessarily in time. You know, there's there's probably not a lot of cash flow there, given the particular populations that they serve. Uh, and also, I think there there's a big player in this, uh, which I would I don't know which direction this would go, but the Catholic Church, which is the largest Christian denomination in this country, uh, it's one that it's you know it's very divided. Uh, something that, that I have talked at, at length and written at length before. Uh, in terms of, you know, it's it's one institution. It's 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 it, it, the Roman Catholic Church, but the political differences between their Latino and their white uh, parishioners is actually uh, it's heaven and earth uh, for using it a nice religious analogy. You know, they're very, very different places politically, but at the same time, you know, what uh, the growing Latino population in that church wants is very different from what the uh, white elites uh, in that particular church in what the people who provide most of the contributions and the American Catholic Church is actually... uh, probably the wealthiest in the world and that provides a lot of funding for the church worldwide uh, could do. It's, uh, you know, we, I don't really know how they would play on these, especially because there's a lot of, you know, Democrats who are devout Catholics uh, uh, who are also, you know, big part of, you know, church of the, uh, church donors, like, you know, the Kennedys, for example. Uh, that you know that you may have a really interesting sort of civil war dynamic going on in there, uh, and I don't think they would be welcome something like that. So I, I think that you know to, to make my point shorter is that there's going to be a differential in power, uh, and, and certainly I think conservatives will 
gone ahead if this were and this is why they are pushing it. I I, I think that you know certain liberal uh, religious groups may benefit, but they're not as big players as they could have been like maybe uh, 60 years ago. Uh, but also like how the how the how, how the money game political money game can, could end up being played by the largest political uh, religious organization in this country. I don't think it's something that they may want to welcome, uh, how they would uh, get divided by that kind of political fight. One of the interesting aspects of this that is extremely difficult to talk about without being largely speculation, and it's something that you mentioned, is the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church is very divided, as you've mentioned, but one of the things that people don't seem to have considered in this, given that the Catholic Church is objectively the largest faction of Christians in the United States, is that the Vatican is a thing that exists. And the reason why I mention that is that this is a way a very minor way for a different government to talk about and very slightly influence how we talk about politics and how we think about politics. Because the Vatican is sort of its own country and it's its own governing body. And obviously individual Catholic churches have... Tr- not tremendous freedom, but they have a large amount of individual freedom, especially in the United States. They aren't close to they aren't close to the Holy See, but still, this is an interconnected group of individuals, and they're one of the only churches like this in the entire world among Christians that has a governing body in a different country or is arguably considered a multinational entity. So it's interesting to me to talk about that and to think about it. Unfortunately, we have no real way of knowing anything about that, so I'm not going to talk about it at length, but it is something that I want anyone who listens to this conversation to think about. I have to wonder what Catholic authorities would be thinking themselves if they heard that now, like, not now, obviously, but theoretically in the future where the Johnson Amendment is repealed, that churches can be used to give financial incentives to political candidates. I have no doubt that they would at least think about how that's going to affect how Catholic churches in the United States operate. Yeah, no, I think that's very interesting. And, and I and right now, uh, you know, something that I mentioned at the beginning, uh, that anecdote uh, in which the, that thinly veiled swipe at, at John Kerry uh, in 2004, in that particular church, uh, you know, John Kerry was a Catholic. Like he he could have been the second Catholic president of the United States. Uh, another JFK from Massachusetts, uh, coincidentally. And you know, there's major Catholic politicians in the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, you, you had like you, you you have the Kennedys, or you know, like Catholic dynasty. Uh, 
you have uh, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his name, the senator from Pennsylvania, Casey, uh, as examples of Catholic politicians that, and especially Casey, who tries to to balance that uh, uh, his life as a you know as a Catholic and also being a progressive and and try to straddling that. Uh, pro-life minefield uh, within the Democratic Party and the Catholic Church. Uh, You have Joe Biden, uh, who was vice president for eight years and in the Senate forever. Uh, So, you know, there are are major figures and major important figures in in Democratic Party uh, who are certainly very favorable to the church in most things with the exception of abortion. Uh, and whether, you know, the, could the church become uh, a player in trying to get rid of those few uh, unfaithful Catholics who happen to be pro-choice or at least Democrats uh, hanging out with pro-choicers uh, in favor of uh, Evangelicals, even if they don't agree on much of anything, uh, and you know how much abortion plays into all of these. Because you know another issue of the Catholic Church is, or at least you know, I growing up in in Catholic schools, it's you know this whole you know the culture of life is not just about abortion; it's also about the death penalty, and it's one of the you know probably the biggest organization against the death penalty, which is something that the evangelical, their evangelical cohorts in the right actually love very much. Uh, so I wonder you know, how, how these coalitions that probably thanks to the Johnson Amendment, uh, we can see a religious right that is actually more diverse in terms of their membership uh, because it includes right-wing Catholics and includes right-wing evangelicals and even uh, right-wing Jews uh, in, in some instances uh, could break up because of, you know, supporting or opposing candidates rather than being very transactional working on particular issues, uh, which is something they can do and, you know, lobby uh, for particular uh, policies and not necessarily having to get into uh, electioneering. Uh, per se. So we can actually sort of guess what it would be like if the Catholic Church tried to get more interested in politics and specific politicians in the United States by looking at a, let's call it case study, that happened in Honduras. In Honduras in 2009, there was the coup. What a lot of people aren't aware of is that one of the influential players who never overtly took a side was Oscar Rodriguez, who Oscar Rodriguez Maradiga, I just butchered his last name, but he was a, he is a Honduran Catholic leader. And his whole thing was about abortion. He made statements in 2007 talking about any, how any politician who supported abortion could not be considered Catholic. 
it was a really, really big deal in 2007 if you were Catholic. And in 2009, the president refused to ban an abortion measure. He refused to... Um, there was an anti-abortion measure, and he vetoed it. And this happened a couple of weeks before the coup. A lot of what follows is speculation, but it's speculation that Hondurans have talked and written about. It's said that because Oscar Rodriguez refused to side against the coup and support the president, who he was once friends with, he was rewarded with an anti-abortion measure in 2012 in the Supreme Court. That is, of course, speculation, and it absolutely shouldn't be taken as gospel. But it is an interesting thing to consider if we start thinking about how the Catholic Church could play into politics. Of course, the idea that such a dramatic situation could happen in the United States, even with our current president, is virtually unthinkable for most people. But it still shows the role that religion can play in politics, because this person was an extremely influential Catholic leader, Honduras is over 50% Catholic with a, very, with a surprisingly large percentage of evangelicals, a few Muslims, a few atheists, and then some others. There actually is an atheist. There actually are atheist groups in Honduras. They're surprisingly well organized. I like them. You can read about them. But it's, it's good to know that we can look to other countries and we can see that at least specific Catholic priests are interested in politics. This doesn't mean we should think that the Catholic Church itself has any interest in foreign politics. As far as we can tell, it doesn't. But there, if we are knowledgeable of the world, we can find situations that reflect a variety of situations. And that's really neat to me. Now that you mention, uh, you know, atheist groups, I also I also like to bring the attention of that uh, 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 something you said before, uh, probably towards the beginning of of the show, in terms of you know this sense of persecution uh, that many, particularly white Christians, have. And it's it has it, it it's certainly true. Uh, there's a lot of public opinion data, including some of that I worked myself back when I was a PRI, that shows that uh, particularly white Christians of the evangelical bent uh, think that you know white people and Christians are one of the most persecuted groups in the country, and how a lot of these may be, uh, and it's probably driven also at a subconscious level or even at a conscious level to the rise of people like us, right? The, the secular American boom that has been going on for you know, two decades or so, uh, that we have become more visible in American society, that it's become more acceptable to admit that either you don't care about religion or that you are an atheist. Uh, and that is something that, even to the little actual tangible political power that we hold, it's something that 
it's a huge threat in the paranoid Christian mind. Uh, and so when we think about these aspect of the Johnson Amendment and, and, and these moves to uh, repeal the Johnson Amendment, we just can't think it just in terms of them, they, that these groups wanting it for politicking, but also what are the perceived enemies. And this is why it's imperative for uh, people like us and why it's very important to have uh, Americans United uh, for separation of church and faith and the Freedom from Religion Foundation in particular uh, taking these fights because, you know, one of the you know one of the reasons uh, churches, uh, particularly conservative churches, want to get involved and want to do these type of active or direct political activism is to reverse the culture. Right, that they've been losing the cultural wars for many years in different fronts. Uh, and you know, believing God uh, or or you know, the the myth of the Christian America is actually dissolving in their in front of their faces as more people uh, without a religious affiliation and more people uh, who openly disbelieve in God uh, continue, uh, you know admitting that they're openly secular, particularly among the young people like your generation. All right. So this was, I love this chat. This was, this is a topic that is extremely important to me because even when I was a Christian, I understood the importance of the separation of church and state. So to see the separation of church and state and moves against it being so highly politicized and being used as a political weapon by any politician is frustrating for me. It's been good 30, almost probably almost 40 minutes. Now I think it'd be time for us to have some last thoughts on this topic, and I think that you should go first. So, okay, so you're going to have the last word. Good for you. Uh, I, you know, I, I think of, of the many things we talk about today. Uh, one, one of the things that that I always like to not to highlight is is the fact that as much as you know, America has a majority Christian population, and that many people, you know, claim to go to church and be devout, that you know there is a separation streak in the American population that you know this is that, that Americans don't want their churches to to become an extension of Capitol Hill uh, that um, Americans dislike Washington uh, for a reason and that you know this movement could I mean right now it hasn't gotten a lot of steam so far uh, in this administration, partially because you know it, it is so incompetent uh, that they may have no idea how to actually try to enact it into policy, uh, but that it may well backfire. Uh, that it, it, there's going to be a lot of pushback on this, not just from 
you know, general population, you know, it's probably going to show up in public opinion polls, but probably within uh, Congress, it's going to be something that is going to be really hard to move. Uh, so I actually, you know, this, this is me hoping for the best, uh, trying to be positive about the uh, the political uh, thoughts of America that actually in November disappointed me very, very, very much. I think that's understandable. I, I'm not going to lie, I was a lot more worried about this particular issue before a couple of days ago. And the reason why my attitude is becoming cautiously optimistic isn't because of the state of Washington, but because of the fact that there are, there's not just one poll which shows that Americans support or establish events of that people in the United States support the Johnson Amendment and thus, at the very least, to the minimum amount a separation of church and state, it's that there are other polls like this. People, at the very least, once you've explained what the Johnson Amendment does, people support it. And that's not going to stop Washington from thinking that this is what people in the United States want, and it's not going to stop politicians from thinking that by backing a repeal of the Johnson Amendment, they're going to trick people into thinking that they're doing real work which directly affects people's lives and makes it better, or somehow encourages people to vote for them. But it does make me a little bit less worried, especially because the Johnson Amendment isn't the Supreme Court. If the Johnson Amendment gets repealed and we get a new government, theoretically, we could put another Johnson Amendment back in, which is not a good attitude. I'm not optimistic. I don't think the Johnson Amendment would happen again if it got repealed ever. But I know that it's at least theoretically possible. This isn't a decision with permanent, life-changing ramifications, but it's still important because people value their churches and people don't want them to be partisan playing things and it's rare for me to agree with believers but that's something that I can agree with I think that their sacred spaces should remain sacred and I'm glad that they think so too this is the Benito Juarez experience with Luciano Gonzalez and Juan Navarro Rivera and you for it now we're going to say good night. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, let us know. Good night, everyone. If you enjoy our podcast, feel free to like it, share it, and like our page on Facebook. We enjoy your support, and we appreciate that we're able to create content for you that informs you, entertains you, and hopefully makes you want to share it with other people. Thank you very much.